bonsai is one of those that's like people go into it saying, oh, I got to be patient. And, and, but then they're not patient. It could take a year or two before you even start to begin to see the results of your efforts. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interviewed Jeremy Campbell about bonsai, the Japanese art of maintaining and growing little baby trees. And um, they're actually not baby trees. They're completely full-grown and mature trees that you just kind of have manipulated the size of. And I realized how little I knew about bonsai when I started talking with Jeremy about it and learning more about it. It's um, such an involved and interesting thing. And I was really mistaken about a lot of the things that I thought about it. Um, Jeremy's been doing bonsai for about seven years. And right before the interview, he's like, oh man, I've only been doing it for seven years. I don't know if I should talk about it. And I was like, man, seven years is a long time to be doing something. But during the interview, Jeremy explained the time scale of bonsai. And I and now I understand what he was talking about that not being a very long time for because you're working with the time scale of these trees with bonsai. So it's a very slow moving hobby. Um, and that's just, you know, one of the many things that we'll talk about here. So without further ado, here is bonsai. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Hey, thanks very much, Blake. Yeah. So tell us a little bit uh, to start out with bonsai. Is it is it just a hobby? Is it an art form like what what exactly is bonsai to you and like what do people that do bonsai consider it oh right so bonsai is one of those really fun uh hobbies that uh seems to be wild widely known but not widely understood um i i think in the same way someone looking at you know the hobby of bird watching might think it's all about just staring at birds all day um, it's, it's not quite like that with bonsai. So for me, uh, bonsai is, is a mix of both an art form and a hobby. I consider myself more of a, uh, a gardener before I consider myself an artist. So for me, it's a little more of a, of a horticultural exploration thing. But for a lot of other people, um, that dabble in other areas of bonsai and, and expressive forms of horticulture, it's, uh, it got a much heavier meaning. So what, what makes bonsai different than traditional horticulture? Like, what are the things that, like, the elements that people are looking at with bonsai? Uh, well, uh, with bonsai, they're pretty much like you're going to find a lot of people saying a lot of different things. Uh, but overall, the two overarching themes in bonsai are reproducing nature, uh, on a smaller scale or, uh, creating some kind of abstract art that should represent maybe man's perception of, of nature. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's like a mixture often. It just kind of depends, you know, it can go from plant to plant, but for, for the most part, what sets it apart from other holder culture is, is it's got kind of like a, it's on a smaller scale. So you're never going to have a giant, you know, a giant plant, or anything, You're, uh, and then it's uh, also always going to be a woody uh, plant, a plant that can create, you know, uh, bark maybe, and uh, have limbs, 
and branches and, and leaves. So no cacti or, uh, you know, there's a few other kinds of plants that would, would not qualify as a bonsai. So for the most part, like little trees, right? Exactly. Pretty much little trees, but uh, it, they don't have to be trees, just a woody plant. Okay. So I was doing some research on bonsai yesterday, and I thought that bonsai was going to be just like one partic- particular species of a tree or, <laughs> and you know, these like little um, bushy green ones is kind of what I had always seen. And maybe like I figured there'd be a few different variations. And then immediately on the first video that I was watching, there was this beautiful like red maple leaf looking tree um, with these beautiful red leaves all over it. Um, but just in completely little miniature form. It was like the cutest, most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So can any tree be a bonsai or does it, are there like specific trees that are bonsai trees? Yeah. So <laughs> this is the part where the bonsai community is usually the most, I won't say the most, but very torn. Uh, where do you draw the line uh, with, with what you call bonsai and stuff? Um, the, the thing is, uh, you, for, for in my book, personally, my, my personal view on the art or hobby, uh, it, it's, it's gotta, it's gotta look kind of like a tree. It's got our symbol tree. So it's gotta have bark. It's gotta have, you know, branches coming off of the trunk and it's gotta have like distinguishable leaves and stuff. So, um, you know, uh, some people will try to, pass off, for instance, some kind of perennial uh, shrubbery. Like uh, some people have used uh, a hibiscus before for for bonsai. And and they'll say, look at my hibiscus bonsai. And to me, it kind of looks like I'll look at this species of plant being used as a bonsai and I'll say like, it's not really like, it doesn't have enough for me to to be a bonsai. Um, So really it's like, it once again goes back to that, like, what do you define a bonsai as, right? Like if it's just expression of art, then really it could almost be anything. But uh, if it's, you're trying to mimic nature and you're trying to create like large scale stuff, then you're, you're kind of stuck in the realm of like trying to mimic trees. Okay. So you're, it's so funny to say like trying to mimic nature when nature, when in an, in essence, you're doing the opposite of that because you're, you're manipulating nature, you know, like you're not Mm -hmm. letting nature take its course. So, and that's actually my question is, so are these a special breed of these trees or are you taking just a regular old tree that would grow up to be a big tree one day, but because of the fact that you've confined it to a small pot, it stays small its entire life. There are, you know, some species of plants that are called dwarf species uh, dwarf Japanese maples, dwarf this, dwarf that. Those are sometimes popular for bonsai and are actually like, do actually stay small because of their genetics. Not Maybe not necessarily as small as a bonsai, but small enough to where reducing them to bonsai size isn't such a, a feat and they will grow typically very slow. But actually more popular is to use normal tree species. I, I myself have... Uh, several bonsai made from trees that are in my backyard. Interesting. And they're, they're never going to grow big like the trees in your backyard. Well, they would if I put them in the ground, but I have since pulled them out of the ground and put them in a pot, which trees are always growing. Uh, you, you can never have a plant that's not growing. 
but the trick is with the pot growth is to slow that down exponentially. Huh. So it, it, those those uh, trees that you have will basically always stay pot size. Like if, yeah, if you can exactly. slow it down to that extent. And sometimes, you know, it just kind of depends on the measures you have to take uh, to control its size or what you decide. Some, some, for some people, they reach this certain point with a tree where, I told you earlier, a lot of these trees are field grown or they're collected from the wild. So there's, it comes to a point where you decide like this tree is ready for a bonsai pot, right? And you put it in the pot. And for some people, that point is the final size. And for other people, they still want to scale up gradually uh, over a longer period of time, so it it, it kind of just depends on what your what your what your goal is. But for the most part, it stays about the same. Interesting. So if you if you give it a bigger pot, it will grow to fill it. But or you know if you put it outdoors, then it'll really start to grow. But if you confine its space, it'll it'll stay small for you. Right. So yeah, bigger pot size equals more space for growth equals more ability to create more leaves. Leaves are how the tree creates energy, so it can grow more. Now, you just mentioned something about putting it outside and all that. That's another thing about bonsai that I'm, I'm not sure if you were going to get to that or not, but the uh, bonsai are kept outside traditionally. Um, the idea of a tree that stays, the, the idea of growing a bonsai tree inside of your your home is definitely a uh, an, an idea that's developed um, from a lack of uh, general knowledge about the hobby. Uh, you wouldn't see this perception as much, for instance, in Japan, where the bonsai industry is way more prevalent to the to the general public. Uh, so, yeah, just to put that in perspective, like you said, uh, like none of my trees ever go inside unless they have to for the winter, right? For like a few weeks at a time. Otherwise, my trees are always outside uh, growing because, contrary to what people believe, you're not torturing and confining this tree; you're allowing it to grow. And you're putting it through a series of, of growth and trauma, growth and trauma. So what's the what's the trauma piece of that? Right. So the trauma the trauma is just kind of almost how trees deal with the nature, but on a different kind of scale. Um, you know, there's a lot of pruning of large limbs, at, uh, especially at the beginning stages of a bonsai's life, and there's a lot of root pruning that goes on throughout the years once you get it to that bonsai pot stage trees uh traditionally grow big large roots to anchor themselves into the ground and by putting it in a pot you have deprived it of its ability to anchor itself so essentially it will continue to try to thicken its roots to anchor itself you have to most people anchor the tree to the pot like with some wire or something like kind of like under the soil if you will hmm. so it's not visual but um and then and then the aim of that to anchor the tree like that is so you don't have to depend on those large roots and you're constantly letting it grow these tiny little roots and you're pruning them and you're, you're constantly developing this basically it's almost like building something like building a web a large spider web and just all the stuff builds on top of each other how are you pruning the roots how do you have access to them do you keep on having to yank the tree up exactly yeah um like different species are have different requirements like um like i have a a species a tree called uh it's an american hackberry and i have two of those uh right now and uh that are in the bonsai pot stage and i repot those yearly uh because they grow very aggressively 
and very quickly, and the roots will quickly fill the pot and burst out of the bottoms. And uh, it, it's just not good. So I, the tree can handle a lot of abuse, and I just pull it up, and I usually wash out the soil, and I will clip back the larger roots, and I will uh, change it with some new soil that uh, is not so, so uh, soft and broken down. Okay, so. cool. So let's talk a little bit more about the setup phase for bonsai, and then we'll move more into that that kind of maintenance phase. So, oh, right, how do yeah. you how do you set everything up for a bonsai? This is where once again it goes into like the whole like how do you do your bonsai? Uh, the bonsai community has a lot of varying opinions on this. Um, for me, like when I see okay, let's take an example where I came across a small tree in the wild and I wanted to turn it into a bonsai. I would dig it up and, and try to preserve as, as much as the tree as I can in its original state when it was growing, the way you found it. And then, you know, I would just put it somewhere either in a large growing pot or in the ground uh, until the tree is too, it's almost, uh, it, you're building something from the ground up. So the way you decide when to cut a tree is how big is the trunk and is the trunk as big as you want it to be. If the trunk's not as big as you want it to be, you don't cut the tree. Hmm. That's pretty much how it goes. So if you found that tree in the wild and it was ready for the bonsai pot, then yeah, you could prune it and start wiring it. Uh, but typically, I'll tell you that 80% of my bonsai trees, I don't really prune much and I don't wire much at all because I'm just letting them grow in, in, in these controlled environments, if you will. Uh, so I might wire a couple of things, but it's not quite to the scale that you might think of with a finished bonsai. And really, the, the, the fun parts about bonsai that people associate with bonsai don't really come until you're to that final kind of stage of the tree's life. And you're just now you're in the maintenance phase and you're just growing because otherwise growing a, a tree in a tiny bonsai pot is not practical um, because it, it'll just never happen. Like we were talking about earlier, the tree needs space to create its roots, to create its leaves, to grow. So, okay. So you're going to want to wait until the, the trunk per se is the, is the size that you want it to be before you dig it up. Now, if you could explain the wiring process and what I know that you don't do a lot of wiring, but like what that is, um, and why people do it and what they're trying to do and everything, because that was something that I knew nothing about before looking into it yesterday. Wiring is actually using copper or some kind of metallic uh, cable, if you will. It, it comes, you know, straight and you know and smooth, and you actually physically wrap that around the branches of the tree, and you use the the, the malleable metal of the wire to kind of guide the branch into growing in the shape you want it to grow in. Okay, so if you have like a copper wire or something and you bend the copper wire, unlike it, so if you have a tree branch and you bend a tree branch, it's just going to spring right back up after you let go of it. But if you have a copper wire and you bend it, it doesn't spring up. It, you know, it stays where you bent it. So you're kind of lacing the two together that way, I guess, when you bend the tree branch, the tree branch stays put afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. So when, and then I guess to what you were saying that the reason why people are doing this is to try to make these trees mimic their like larger brethren out in nature, like what a much more mature tree would look like. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the the wiring is to kind of create that image of a larger scale tree. Okay, cool. That really makes sense. Then what you were saying about how the, um, 
the art piece of it is trying to get it to mimic nature. And at the beginning of the interview, how I was saying like, why don't you just leave it be then if you want it to mimic nature? But I didn't really realize that if it's in a small pot, that it's never going to mimic nature, uh, you know, mimic what it would do if it were, you know, left to itself. So, um, that's interesting. So what, so the first thing that you're doing is wiring. The next thing for your setup would be pruning. So if you want to go over like the initial setup with pruning and, and what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so pruning is, um, like you just said, if you just let it kind of grow, it would um, it would just kind of like not get you the image you're looking for. It would just look like a little wispy tree of some kind that you put in a tiny pot. It, just like an, it doesn't know it's a bonsai, right? So it, with with pruning, you're you're basically creating a you're growing the the tree in steps. So you'll grow the tree to a certain thickness, and then you'll say, "Hey, I like that thickness. I like how that tree looks." And you will cut the tree off at a certain point that you decide is best for the final design. Typically, your first the first time you prune, you're pruning the tree to smaller than what it's supposed to its final shape is, right? Its final size. And then you let it grow a little, and then you can you you can prune it again and then let it grow a little and then prune it again. And, and with varying species, you, there's varying times of the year. You might only do it once a year, you might do it once every three years. Uh and, and basically what you're trying to create with pruning is the illusion of, a, of taper, uh, of, um, of a size, a thickness that gradually reduces as it splits into uh, multiple branches. So the pruning encourages the splitting of branches and also the, the, the size control of the branches. So the so- segmentation of them if you will interesting again mimicking what a bigger tree would do because yeah if, if a if a tree is super little and just a baby tree all its branches are just going to be completely clumped in together so they're not really going to be defined in any way exactly um, that's interesting and, so, and they'll look about the same thickness probably more or less right 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 so how long is the this initial intensive process where you know you're pruning frequently um you're trying to get the um the branches to bend in certain directions um and then like how long is everything really intensive and then before you move on to like a maintenance phase as it were right yeah so uh, man that's uh you know it just depends on the tree species and where the tree was when you got it but yeah, like that process can take anywhere from like the uh, like the least amount of time I've ever seen someone like prep a bonsai that they pretty much like just like got accustomed with. They'd never seen it before. It was a wild tree or something they've been growing in the ground. Um, the shortest amount of time I've seen is like a year or two. So a couple of years. Uh, to- wow. I get it to that, but that's for trees that are already, that's for like a limited amount of species that work really well. Um for, for that kind of uh, time frame. But usually, I mean, we're talking like five to 10 to 20 years of prep, depending on the species That's and depending on your method. So incredible. I was thinking it was going to be like one month or something. So oh, I was no, way yeah. So yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> trees go by the season. Yeah. So you got to wait. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <stinks>. <laughs> very good point. They're on a different time scale than I am, I guess. Um, do you at some point then remove the wires? Like as it reaches a, a maturity and the branches start to actually stick in the direction that the wires were, were pulling them, can you remove the wires or do you just always leave the wire on the tree? 
Oh, yeah. You know, um, with certain trees, uh, I'll say that I've rarely left wire, a, like one, you know, I'll wire a tree once a year sometimes, a certain tree. Uh, let's just say a, a tree, I'll wire it once a year. So I'll leave that year's wire on, typically, uh, depending on the tree, anywhere from four to 10 months, uh, usually no more than a year at the most, because by then, uh, it will have grown significantly and the wire will start to scar the branch. Oh, right, right. So you have to constantly be removing and reapplying and removing and reapplying uh, to kind of avoid this this scarring. And, and eventually the, the branches hold themselves anyway. So like there are different, you know, like some species you wire that branch once and it's never going to move. Other species, they're just so pliable that you're you're constantly rewiring things. Yeah. So uh, since the maintenance phase is so far into the entire thing, I guess during the phase before maintenance, like what most people would be doing um, for their first de- decade or so of, of doing uh, bonsai, like how often are you having to uh, mess with your tree? Is it something you do daily? Oh, absolutely not. Um, right. So yeah, if you're starting a bonsai from scratch, the first... Uh, I, the first years of it are going to be pretty boring. Uh, it's mostly just like any other like uh, horticulture thing. You're just putting a plant in the ground and letting it grow. Uh, I have about 10 or 12 trees in my yard right now that uh, I've just been, I haven't even touched them for the last three years. Uh, I'm just letting them grow. And I plan to, to, to cut them back and dig them up eventually, pro- probably next year. But mm-hmm. uh for now, they're just letting them grow. So yeah, between the, the 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 maintenance phases of like, oh man, this is the final image of my tree, and the getting there part, it, uh, yeah, it can it can be highly variable. So <laughs> I I was kind of picturing, and I think probably a lot of people would picture somebody with like a little bonsai garden going out like every single day with your scissors <laughs> and like pruning off like a leaf or two to make things just right, and giving it like just the right amount of water like every day. Is that just a totally like fanciful romantic idea of the whole thing, and it's not like that? To an extent, uh, you know, the watering every day part does happen in the summer here where I live because it's hot and dry, and the pots are tiny. Some people put their their if they have a large collection, they'll put it on an automatic watering system. Uh, but the watering part is something that people take pride in. They enjoy doing it daily and looking at their progress. But these organisms are growing so slowly that. Uh, you can't really cut them every day. It's just detrimental to the tree. Um, and the same way, you know, uh, you can't cut your nails constantly. You can't cut your hair constantly. You got to wait, let it grow out, and you cut it again, right? Same with the trees. Yeah. So what is the deal with, with bonsai and art? I it, like I, I mean, it, that completely makes sense to me that bonsai is considered art um, and that it's this this art form, how you're making the tree. And yet, different things that I've been looking at online, people will talk about, oh, like, that's good bonsai, and oh, that's bad bonsai. And it's funny, (laughs) because any other type of art, it's like, how dare you? You know, like, who the hell are you to say what is good (laughs) art and what is bad art? But in Japan, it's like there. I mean, it's it's so steeped in tradition that there very much is like, oh, no, that's bad, that's good. Uh, Like, what's the deal with all that? Like, what are they considering good and bad, exactly? Oh man. So like any kind of art form, uh, general, like public consensus changes, right? We can look at art from, 
centuries ago and kind of look at it and wonder, you know, what they were thinking and no one would have created that nowadays. It looks so strange, right? Uh, you can still appreciate it as art because it's old and it's a preservation. But yeah, like any art form, the general consensus of what is what looks good and what looks bad changes. Uh, just to give you an example, an American bonsai has its own kind of meta thing going on where people decide, you know, this is good and this is bad. And, and you know, people a generation above me, the, the previous generation of bonsai people that are, you know, now, you know, pretty well known in the U.S. and stuff. These are the people that are writing books and doing shows and stuff. They're, a lot of their work, you look at it in the old pictures from like the 70s and 80s and 90s, and a lot of the trees are tall and lanky and kind of thin and have these very kind of abstract, almost unnatural shapes. And, and it's, Interesting, over the last few decades, the general consensus in American bonsai is to create more and more trees that are more akin to, to uh, a powerful image of like a shorter, broader tree. Uh, it, it totally changes, and it's, it's totally subjective, completely. Uh, as long as it looks like a tree that you might find in nature, chances are someone somewhere will call it a bonsai. That's so, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, which I guess is a true, makes it a true art form, that you can look at bonsai and kind of almost make some, uh, some like philosophical and cultural guesses as to like what was going on with the culture and philosophy at the time by the way that their bonsai were looking. Yeah, you could draw some of those parallels, uh, definitely if you wanted. And, um, and even more interesting is to compare them, right? And, and look, uh, you know, you mentioned Japan being steeped in culture, um, it, it, where it's a little more prevalent. Uh, you know, that's one of those things where you've got these collections that have been around for several generations, uh, which we really don't see in the United States because, I mean, the art form has just gotten popular in the last generation or two. Uh, so, uh, you know, that is something really cool because you, you get to see these people carrying on this legacy and, and kind of like you can see pictures of these same trees from the 70s and see how they've changed very, you know, subliminally over the last you know few decades. Wow. With, with, the, with the trend, you know, with the times. Yeah. This, uh, the trees in Japan, uh, you were talking about being generations old and stuff. Do, do the trees live just as long when you keep them confined in a smaller bonsai size? Absolutely. And, and that goes back to what I was telling you earlier, uh, where you, you're not going outside and clipping your tree every day because that would essentially, you would run out of tree really fast. And, uh, before the tree could grow itself back. So contrary to what a lot of people seem to think, bonsai is actually a hobby of more of growth rather than of, of removal. Right. Uh, so it, 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 it's these trees will, most species of trees will outlive the average human by a long shot. Yeah. What is the cost? Uh, I, I mean, are there are there some like if you were to purchase a really old bonsai tree from a collection in Japan, can some of them just be phenomenally expensive if it's like, oh, this tree is, you know, 400 years old and is from so-and-so from 400 years ago? Does it carry a really high value? Definitely. Thousands. I mean, yeah. It's like any old art, right, that that is has survived time and has garnered people's, you know, admiration since then. Absolutely. Uh, you've got trees that are, you know, 
famous. Uh, their pictures circulate around, and it's always big news if those trees change hands, and people always want to know how much money was spent. And uh, uh, it's it's a big deal. And it, for instance, Japan actually uh, gave us a tree, the United States, a tree, a bonsai tree that had actually was present for the Nagasaki bombing in World War II, and. Uh, it was a symbol of good faith, kind of like a forgive, you know, a, a reforging of you know good relations between the countries, and you know it was it was just was a big deal because to this day it's in a, a museum in Washington, I believe, and it's like it's a big deal because it's such a valuable tree. It was such an old old tree, uh, so for them to just give it to us was just kind of insane. Wow, that's incredible, especially for that reason. That's a beautiful thing. Right. <laughs> Much more beautiful than, than thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I, I'm thinking here in my head about like trees that maybe would or would not make for a bonsai. And I, uh, I'm wondering, so let's say I were to take a, a baby redwood, like, you know, like a giant sequoia. Uh, is that like obviously when it's a little baby, its trunk is going to be so thin, and then as it gets taller, its trunk also starts to grow wider. But for bonsai purposes, I can't just have that thing grow really tall like a redwood. If I were to keep on clipping off the top of the tree, would the trunk continue to get wider? Or if you kept on clipping off the top of a tree, does the trunk also stay the same size? Right. Uh, yeah. So. It's not like quite black and white. It's like you think of it like a gradient. Um, the more cutting you do, the slower it grows. So um, there's a certain, like I was saying earlier, there, there's usually a lot of time between like deciding I'm going to use this thing for bonsai and making your first cut on a young tree. So yeah, because once you start cutting, it's going to grow a lot slower because you've literally cut off years of its life uh, with each time you you clip it you i know, guess that's a good point and it, so in that regard it would have to be a quick growing tree anyways like certain trees mm -hmm. just grow quicker than others which is i guess why you don't see a, a giant sequoia miniature bonsai because it takes sequoias mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to grow they're probably very very slow uh, growing you'd trees. be surprised blake you'd be surprised i've got i've got about five redwood trees what no way oh that is Wait. awesome way they work they work they work uh you're n obviously never going to get the massive massive car-sized trunks you see in california but uh because those are like you said just so old but there is a certain period of 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 time and a young tree's life where it will grow quite rapidly and redwoods are actually known for being really aggressive growers they make actually pretty good bonsai Oh man, Jeremy, I am totally going to do this. The, the, <laughs> that's got to be so cool to have a mini redwood. Exactly. It is. They make they they're really fun. They're really fun trees. They they don't fare so well in my climate. Uh I'm in Texas, but you know, if you live somewhere like California with that Mediterranean like climate, you'll it's it's a green light. Yeah. Cool, man. Um all right, Jeremy, give us some uh give us some advice here for getting started. So uh, what are things that we should be looking out for? What are things that we should like absolutely not do? Like, are there any sort of mistakes that you made when you were getting started or that, you know, you continue to make that you would implore other people not to do? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
bonsai is one of those that's like people go into it saying, oh, I got to be patient. And, and, but then they're not patient. So it's weird. Like you got to really be serious about it. It it could take years. It could take a year or two before you even start to begin to see the results of your efforts. So it's one of those things that people frequently get discouraged when they're starting out and they lose interest and they quit because they don't see the value in it or they forgot about it while they were on vacation or, you know, it, it got killed by you know, the dog knocked it over and chewed it up, whatever. They, something happens and it's neglected. So if you're, if you're serious about it and you really want to see something happen, you got to give the hobby at least a couple of years and a couple of different trees. People will often sink a few thousand dollars or a few hundred dollars into one big, nice tree, and then they'll kill it in less than a week or something and, and say, well, this isn't for me, and then quit. And that's pretty sad because it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like you don't really have to sink much money to into it at all. If you didn't want to, you can just right. go and find a tree in your yard or find a tree on some public land somewhere and uh, and dig it up if it's just a little baby guy. Which leads to my next warning, which is that the bonsai industry is growing and it is popular. And there are a lot of people that are out there to make money off of it. And what they will do is they will buy these cheap bonsai pots. They will take clippings off of a tree and they will stick the clipping in some dirt until it grows a couple of roots. And then they will sell it to you as a bonsai tree for 50 or 60 bucks. And, you know, there's just a lot of like taking advantage of the lack of knowledge that people seem to have about growing and horticulture in general. So you got to look out, you got to stick to, to, if you're going to go out and buy a bonsai from somebody, make sure they're reputable uh don't don't buy a bonsai from ikea or you know off the side of the road from someone find an actual bonsai nursery where someone has has grown these trees and has put their personal artistic touch on it uh rather than someone that you know like a walmart place that they're literally just farming off these tiny little trees and then just cutting them off and then sticking them in pots and calling them bonsai and you know people buy them and they you know after a few months they realize wow this is just a house plant there's nothing special about this yeah totally yeah so why avoid, would you want to do that scams. even like yeah. yeah before before this interview i thought that a bonsai had to be a special you know very specific type of plant which clearly is what people that are buying those kits are also under the same impression mm-hmm. like why would you want to buy a kit like that if you if it's like the world is your oyster you can you can choose anything you want Absolutely. And you'll pay money for that kit. You don't have to. I've had people pay me to dig up what I consider a good candidate for a bonsai tree. And, you know, I've got several of my bonsai now that actually made me money. (laughs) They didn't even cost me a dime. So it's kind of nice. Wow. Interesting. All right. Cool, man. Um, Anything else that we should be looking out for? Um, you know, just don't, uh, get into the community, get connected to somebody that knows what they're doing and has already been doing it for a while so that you have something to go off of. It's such a, uh, a slow, you were talking earlier, you didn't expect it to take so long, uh, to get it ready. You know, it's such a long scale thing that you can kind of lose, lose track or lose focus, uh, or lose sight of what your goals are or what's going, you know, what you're trying to achieve. And so it really helps to have like a mentor or somebody that can say like, Hey, yeah, you should, or shouldn't do this, uh, and encourage you. What are some of your favorite <laughs> online resources for bonsai? Um, there is a couple of uh, my main squeeze for bonsai are forums where I can interact with other people. Uh, I enjoy the, uh, Reddit bonsai subreddit, which is just slash r slash bonsai. And, uh, there's also a really great 
forum out there called Bonsai Nut. Uh, that is one of the other really, really uh, large communities on the forefront of American bonsai right now. Uh, otherwise, I would encourage you to seek out your local club. A lot of larger uh, metropolitan areas in particular will have one or two bonsai clubs that you can join and, and be a part of and have access to all kinds of fun stuff and people. Cool. Dude, that all sounds good. Jeremy, thanks so much for all the info, man. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.